失敗した出だしから始まった歌歌が君呼び交わす鳥のように歌うのは相手の言葉と扇子のように定められた失敗私の失敗から始まった歌が意味呼び交わしながら進む歌歌うのはいつもあなたの言葉ご先祖のように定められた幸福Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And if you think it's hot outside here in Michigan, just imagine what it's like in Iraq. (laughs) The the soldiers have to deal with this about six months out of the year, uh, and they're wearing... Full fatigues. Full fatigues. and body I, armor. Hate to say it, some some people end up dying just because they take their their helmet off for a brief second um, to cool off. So uh, <clears throat> maybe if George Bush uh, didn't uh, sit in air conditioned offices all the time, he'd realize what the troops are going through, and maybe he'd support the troops. But well, I'm sure George Bush would like nothing better than to go out and clear some brush out somewhere in Texas and get away from uh, the realities of uh, the disastrous consequences of his ill-conceived policies in the Middle East. Because there's no rest for the wicked ill-conceived uh, in Washington. They, they are indeed. Uh, just a real quick uh, comment about baseball. Trade deadline was today. Very oh, okay. interesting uh, because, of course, Detroit uh, has the best record in the game at the moment. They have a fairly tough schedule in August, but I thought it was interesting that they actually did make a kind of a big acquisition today in Sean Casey. Hmm. Chris Shelton, who uh, 
Got off to one of the best uh, first 10 days in the history of baseball, uh, was sent to the minors. And Casey is a very solid first baseman, outstanding defensively. Don't be deceived by his big body. He's uh, quick around the bag and is an outstanding uh, scooper. So uh, defensively, they've upgraded, and offensively, uh, Casey's probably a 290 line drive style hitter, a very tough uh, left-handed batter, which is exactly what Detroit needed. Uh, baseball is uh, tragic, in my opinion, only because the same old teams are always sellers this time of year, and the same old teams are buyers. Uh, the Rangers, Yankees, and Reds, and Dodgers made a lot of deals. And, of course, the sellers were the Royals, Pirates, Indians, Cubs, and Phillies. Uh, the first three are small market teams that frequently find themselves in financial peril and, of course, uh, the beneficiaries of baseball's inequitable system continue to be uh, the big market teams like New York, uh, Los Angeles, and, uh, ironically, this year, Detroit. So uh, we'll, well see. How, how long is the season before a playoffs? Oh, we still got two more months. There's okay. still basically roughly 60 games to play. Detroit's got a solid lead. Uh, unfortunately for them, in recent weeks, the White Sox have fallen. It, it appears that Detroit is going to win the division, but unfortunately for them, the wild card two weeks ago looked like it was definitely going to come out of the Central Division. Now it appears that the Red Sox and Yankees will be in that wild card East Division champ, and unfortunately, Detroit may have to go through both Boston and New York to get into the World Series. That proved to be very difficult over the years for the Cleveland Indians. Um and the Tigers have not done well against the better teams uh, in the American League. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, this upcoming month because they do have a very tough schedule. And they play. At least the, they're in contention. They're in contention and they're playing the buyers, not the sellers. <laughs> they're playing the Rangers, the Yankees, the White Sox, uh, the Twins, um, Cleveland, and uh, I think they have a, another series with the. California Angels, the Los Angeles Angels, or whatever they're calling themselves. I don't know if you also saw that Dominic Hasek is coming back to Detroit. Didn't see that. that and I'm a little surprised, but, uh, God, I couldn't believe they were even seriously thinking about and even interviewed Ed Belfour. Well, I think Hasek's better than Belfour in that regard, and uh, the signing of Markov, a pretty solid right. defenseman. From Toronto, he's played with them for uh, several years now, um, is probably meaning Detroit is going to be a more defensive-oriented team. Well, uh, they can juggle Osgood and Hasek. Osgood's already signed. Uh, that's probably a pretty good tandem. Yeah. So the Hasek-Markov uh, acquisitions, uh, I think, uh, take a little bit out of the bite uh, in Brendan Shanahan leaving. and Still need a... Good center, though, I think. Good old Stevie Y yeah. uh, retiring, but uh, the retirement of Eisenman, I think, was inevitable. Anyway, uh, while uh, Lebanon is uh, entering uh, day 20, uh, as the media is now saying it, to paraphrase from Frank Rich's column in yesterday's uh, New York Times, Iraq is entering day two, uh, 1,231. So well, I guess let's talk about Iraq first. That gives you an idea of... Uh, of what's really going on in the Middle East, there's just complete chaos. I thought Condoleezza Rice's uh, juvenile press conference last night regarding a peace plan was just uh, wishful thinking, to say the least. 
I don't know where these international peacekeepers are coming from, and I don't know uh, why they think the Europeans, of all people, are going to bail America and Israel out of the, the mess that they've created uh, in Lebanon, Iraq, and, uh, of course, there are continuing problems in Afghanistan. Yeah, well, Israel wants the international force to fight its way in against Hezbollah. <laughs> that isn't going to happen. No. And uh, I think that... The, the idea that the U.N. has either the resources or the troops to uh, patrol this area sometime in the future is uh, wishful thinking. I think that this conflict in, in Lebanon is going to continue for months, not weeks. And, uh, well, it may actually just take uh, Hezbollah running out of ammunition. I don't know how long that will take. Um, but that'll be quite some time. If they're shooting 120 to 140 rockets a day, excuse me, they supposedly have an arsenal, uh, you know, in the 15 to 20 thousands. And Israel, of course, has had to go back to Plan B uh, on the uh, ground offensive because they've uh, basically well, they announced and then resistance. Yeah. yeah, and then of course last night in the wee hours they announced and then reneged today. On a ceasefire, um, yeah. continuing with the uh, airstrikes, which had been uh, promised to, you know, there would be a, a cessation in airstrikes in the south anyway for 48 hours. They were going to continue with airstrikes in the east, but uh, apparently there were a number of airstrikes in the south. Yeah, and so much for the 48-hour ceasefire. Obviously, this uh, r- latest uh, tragedy in, in Kana. Uh, which, of course, uh, invokes a previous tragedy there. Ten years ago, a hundred killed refugees uh, seeking shelter at a United Nations compound. Uh, That happened before the cameras and everything. There's no mistaking that. So there's a bizarre uh, return of Israel into Lebanon, followed by a bizarre return of another massacre in Kana. Return to sender, uh, Elvis Presley. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the um, well, of course, return to sender is sort of a uh, perfect metaphor for what's going on in terms of the exchanges uh, between Hezbollah and Israel. Um, just, uh, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel here, and the uh, Bush administration has waited just simply too long to get actively involved, and what they really lack at this point is credibility. Condoleezza Rice is uh, just not the messenger girl uh, to deliver peace in the region. And she looked extremely nervous in the press conference. and I mean, she's obviously under a lot of pressure just as a human being, but uh, the, the commentators are saying she sounded firm and that she you know, really forced the Israelis to make this concession, which in the end they didn't concede to, the 48-hour ceasefire. But uh, she's got to be worn frazzled. Well, she she came out with this peace plan that basically had no agreement from anybody except uh, maybe George Bush. It's all sort of wishful thinking, and uh, it's interesting that one of the first casualties of this disaster may end up being Tony Blair, uh, because he is taking tremendous abuse in the British press for um, hitching the wagon to the George Bush war train. And uh, the war train in Iraq, by the way, you know, I went back and I checked out uh, what George Bush actually thinks about, quote, total victory in Iraq, because he keeps talking about this. I went back 
back to December of last year when the Bush administration went on a PR offensive to uh, sort of, uh, you know, there were upcoming elections and Bush decided to take the PR offensive. And, and of course, public relations is part of the war uh, going on in Lebanon and Israel, which uh, I think Israel is losing. I think that the Kana uh, tragedy on top of what happened recently to the U.N. compound mm -hmm that the Israeli is supposedly investigating um, has turned world opinion and particularly the Arab um, Sunni um, nominal supporters of American policy in the region against what Israel is doing. One country that can stop the war rather quickly is actually Saudi Arabia. An oil embargo would uh, achieve uh, quick results in Washington, I believe, I don't know if it's going to come to that, but uh, don't be surprised if that's actually being discussed uh, in Arab circles. Mubarak is uh, doing his own shuttle diplomacy. But getting back to Bush's concept of uh, victory in Iraq, just to contemplate how grandiose this is uh, and to give the public an idea of how unlikely it is that we'll ever uh, withdraw from Iraq under the Bush presidency, the strategic document that the Bush administration concocted uh, in conjunction with his public relations offensive last December calls for an Iraq which, quote, has defeated the terrorist and neutralized the insurgency. Two, an Iraq that is peaceful, united, stable, democratic, and secure. Three, is a partner on the war on terror, and an integral part of the international community. And four, an engine for economic growth, uh, proving the fruits of democracy's uh, governance in the region. Well, that's the frosting on the cake right there. Uh, I don't think we've achieved any of these uh, objectives. Uh, we're a long way off from well, and every, any of them. Every day that passes makes them further away. Yeah. It's just uh, fantasy um, and, yeah, Bush will pray for the victims in Lebanon. As he, as he put it, God bless them. A small comfort there. Um, yeah, he was praised in some corners of the uh, media uh, a couple of days ago for actually having uttered the word terrible, for acknowledging that the situation in Iraq is terrible. Well, yeah, <clears throat> terrible's been the status quo there for uh, for quite some time, and of course uh, now uh, there's going to be more redeployment. They don't want to use the word redeployment; they want to use the word repositioning of troops from other parts of Iraq and perhaps even from outside of Iraq, perhaps coming from Europe or Korea, who knows, uh, to increase the numbers of U.S. forces in Baghdad. Um, you know, the green zone is not even secure. Well, and redeployment, of course, is the word that the Democrats have been using uh, in their uh, initiatives, at least in the Senate. Um, they're avoiding the word withdrawal. Um, we won't get into the <clears throat> sexual uh, implications of those words, but uh, repositioning, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's, uh, I don't know, more euphemistic than redeployment. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? But uh, let's, uh, you know, Maliki was, of course, in Washington this past week. Uh, a joint address before Congress. I mean, come on. Some of the Democrats boycotted the speech 
and then let's give the brain, uh, brain damage award to the Democrats. Some of yeah, them that's on my list too. Came out and had a press conference and denounced Maliki, not for the speech, but uh, for the fact that he had not publicly denounced Hezbollah, which of course he can't because he's nominally religiously united with their. Um, Shia brethren? Yes, Shia brethren and... Uh, He's got his own uh, political base to be concerned with. Um, this is a bizarre move by the Democrats, and Harry Reid in particular I thought was, I don't know, sharper than this, but to try and outflank George Bush to the right on Israel, it's just bizarre. I mean, there's very little to be gained uh, by that, and... Uh, you know, I, I hate to quote Pat Robertson, but he once observed that uh, Congress uh, could be considered Israeli-occupied territory. Mm -hmm. um, Harry Reid and the others who joined him, Nancy Pelosi and uh, others, uh, pretty much demonstrate that. I mean, there's, it's way more complex than that. You can't expect Maliki to uh, denounce Hezbollah. Well, at least not in, on American soil. Right. <laughs> So a bizarre move, and and probably not on, uh, probably not even on Iraqi soil, um, because of course the odd thing about all of this uh, religious uh, turmoil, and I think that's a good way to actually put it, is we have Al Qaeda jumping into the uh, fray. Uh, they of course have been upstaged by Hezbollah in the terrorism game, and uh, it was just obvious that any day a video would surface. I'm an Al-Zawari. looks like he's sitting in the studios of <laughs> Al Jazeera or uh, God knows where. He's got the professional set with a burning image of, of the World Trade Center behind him. Interesting, bizarre. logo, yeah. And uh, very strange public relations, but... Uh, Al-Qaeda is the uh, forgotten little brother in the war on terrorism now. They want to remind people that they're still around. Well, actually, it's probably worth uh, mentioning that in spite of the increased sectarian uh, unrest in Iraq and in spite of the likelihood that the U.S.'s long leash on Israel, or whichever way the leash is going, um, is going to make things more difficult for uh, America in general throughout the region, it is hopeful and encouraging to see that within Lebanon itself, uh, there have been, from all quarters, uh, constant reiteration of the fact that we are not going to allow Lebanon to tear itself into sectarian violence. Uh, that nation suffered uh, one of the most bloody civil wars in mm -hmm. recent history. And, for example, uh, the flow of refugees into the city of Tyre uh, are... These are largely Shia refugees, and it's a pretty uh, significant gesture that obviously schools and, and public buildings are going to be used to house refugees, but even mosques now, and these are Sunni mosques. So, I mean, I think in Lebanon we can see the seeds of hope, uh, at least amongst the Lebanese people themselves, that uh, they're not going to be torn apart as a nation. Again, one hopes. <coughs> yeah. Well, the <clears throat> Israeli strategy, how they've benefited from this war, um, quite frankly, escapes me. Because um, obviously their shock and awe plan, uh, reminiscent of Donald Rumsfeld's, Ronald, Donald Rumsfeld's game plan for Ronald Iraq. Ronald Rumsfeld is <laughs> yeah. just about as accurate. Rummy, you big dummy. 
Well, yeah, and and I've been just reading Cobra too. By the way, the uh, book by Michael Gordon and Bernard Trainer about the mm. sort of the military analysis of the Iraq War, and it's just remarkable um, to just read all of the details of how arrogant Rumsfeld and Cheney were with re- were with respect to the military advice that they were getting that was trying to um, temper, if that's the proper word, uh, Rumsfeld's ambitious plans of transformation that uh, he uh, saw the Iraq war as a, you know, the first stepping stone to the new world of transformation in which uh, the uh, military would be, you know, basically pared down uh, in terms of numbers and we would hit them with a lot of force, and they would greet us as liberators, and the post-war planning was virtually non-existent. And military, ranking military people that objected to this, of course, were shunned aside, um, demoted, or forced to retire under Rumsfeld's transformation plan that George Bush seems to have merrily gone along with. And with it's Condoleezza Rife briefing him along the way, whispering uh, sweet nothings from uh, behind his shoulder. And the paring down that you mentioned also involved uh, significantly outsourcing of a number of uh, responsibilities typically and historically carried out by the military itself, even the feeding of uh, troops and so forth. Article uh, in the Financial Times of a couple of days ago that a number of these private security firms, which have done quite lucrative business, hiring themselves out to uh, British diplomats, American um, intelligence, etc., over there in Iraq, are now facing uh, difficulties financially, and a lot of the, they can't afford. They've had to actually reduce the pay to their private uh, soldiers, mercenaries, what have you, uh, by 20%, leading a number of them to uh, say, "Well, forget it. I quit. I'm not going to stay here for 20% less." Uh, probably the least desirable workplace in the world. Uh, so one wonders what might happen when uh, a number of these private security firms bail on uh, Rummy's grand scheme. Yeah, and there have been. Reports also this week about the uh, enormous cost overruns and total incompetence involved in the rebuilding of Iraq. Bechtel's uh, hospital, which never really happened. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, just quoting from a London Review of Books article from over a year ago, uh, the 7th of July edition, Ed Harriman, in an article entitled, Where Has All the Money Gone? I'll just quote two brief paragraphs from this because I think it's pretty amazing um, regarding the incompetence of the post-war administration of Paul Bremer slash George Bush in which uh, he writes, Congress, it's true, voted to spend $18.4 billion of U.S. taxpayers' money on the redevelopment of Iraq, but by June 28th last year when Bremer left Baghdad two days early to avoid possible attack on the way to the airport, The CPA had spent up to $20 billion of Iraqi money compared to only $300 million of U.S. funds. These were uh, oil revenues that the CPA just impounded, literally. And from what we know about what's really going on in Iraq, uh, most of what the American military is doing there is not providing security per se. There's certainly some of that. 
but it's it's mainly building these massive bases, both uh, in the north, east, west, and south of Iraq that uh, bode for the fact that the future concept of Iraq as regarding America is a long-term sort of permanent military, military basing in Iraq. Um, the other interesting thing in Harriman's article, he writes not only the Americans are guilty of a, a lack of accountability. In January this year, this is 2005, the Signer issued a report detailing evidence of fraud, corruption, and waste by the Iraqi interim government when Bremer was in charge. They found that $8.8 billion, the entire Iraqi interim government spending from October 2003 through June of 2004, was not properly accounted for. Um, the uh, Office of Budget and Management, the Iraqi one, that is, at uh, one point had only six staff, all of them inexperienced, and few of the ministries had budget departments. Iraq's newly appointed ministers and their senior officials were free to hand out hundreds of millions of dollars in cash as they pleased while American advisors looked on. And, of course, we've had reports that uh, even Maliki, apparently, uh, this, this past week uh, in comments to some congressmen stated that there are ministers in his own government that are supporting the insurgency. And certainly it's been widely reported in previous articles that uh, oil uh, theft um, is rampant and is actually um, money is being funneled to the insurgents. So it's a terrible situation, to quote the president. That's the understatement of the year, to quote an Ed Wood movie, <laughs> which uh, is sad to have to do. <clears throat> but and, and the really most disappointing and distressing thing about it all is that this was all avoidable. This war didn't have to happen in Iraq. Uh, there, were, uh, there was an inspections program in place. I mean, we all know the litany of lies and falsehoods and manipulations that went down, but none of this needed to have occurred. And it, it, it was a war of choice, and one of the interesting Indeed. comments uh, in the book um, by uh, Trainer and Gordon is the fact that Bush himself told uh, people in the American government uh, in September of 2001, uh, oh, we'll deal, I'll deal with Iraq at the, the time of my choosing, um, when Rumsfeld, of course, was pushing for an immediate war against Saddam Hussein back then. Of course, the... Uh, Chronology involving how the Afghan war got sidetracked into uh, an Iraq war is uh, interesting uh, reading and historically accurate because uh, the facts are the United States diverted $700 million of Afghan Iraq, uh, war money to a, an Iraq war plan that Tommy Franks began in December of 2001 uh, before al-Qaeda was... Uh, well, how shall we quote the Bush uh, policy paper on this? Defeated and neutralized. <laughs> Neither has happened even in Afghanistan. There's just one too many wars going on in that region for the United States to handle. Well, I actually read something bizarre in the Financial Times last week about fighting in Afghanistan. The Taliban is apparently outpaying young men as soldiers uh, three to one. You can get $4 a day as a soldier in the Afghan National Army, and you'll be moved anywhere in the country. Whereas if you want to stay local, 
and uh, fight for the Taliban, you're going to get a good $12 a day. Uh, this is almost certainly uh, fueled by uh, heroin money. Sure. Which, uh, you know, all accounts are uh, suggesting that this year's uh, opium poppy crop is a bumper one. And... Uh, so you know, if you're a young man growing up in Afghanistan, it's not that difficult a choice to make, I suppose, without a great deal of insight into the uh, political machinations of the world. Um, and, of course, on the BBC last night, they were talking about, well, it's expensive to try to shut down the drug trade, uh, and it actually uh, discourages the uh, farmers who have no real other uh, options uh, from signing on to uh, programs to eradicate drugs, I still suggest that the world community should just buy the entire crop outright, destroy some of it, uh, use some of it for medicinal purposes, but why encourage people who can't grow anything else in the terrible soil there to even bother? Because it's just the market has its own laws, and you know the capitalists need to follow that logic here on this particular product which they never do i mean these people that run the american government are so ignorant of what goes on it's like the fateful decision to debathify the iraqi right. army bremer was warned look if you do this you're going to have 250,000 unemployed military types that are going to become part of the insurgency right. highly trained so when you hear that the, the insurgents in Iraq number in the thousands, uh, don't believe it. There's far more of them. It's actually, if you go back and you check the facts, was part of Saddam Hussein's Fedayeen uh, insurgency plan uh, to the extent that that guy had any military thinking going on. Uh, but the when Bush people are making him look fairly savvy. Yeah, when you have a war between a fool and a madman, uh, you know what the results are going to be. It's Iraq. Figuring out who the fool and the madman are is uh, the job of the American public. But Saddam at least knows he'd rather have a bullet than, what was it, electrocution or uh, lethal injection? The rope. The rope, yeah. yeah. And he had to be force-fed to uh, make his return. Uh, I just hope they didn't force-feed him Fruit Loops. He does not like Fruit Loops. Well, apparently he had a Coke. Well, there's a nice picture of a couple of Israeli soldiers on the back of a tank and a bottle of Coke uh, prominently <laughs> displayed there. So I guess uh, Coke does go better with everything. Indeed. Heck of an advertisement for Coca-Cola. Saddam, <laughs> Saddam Hussein drinks Coke. George Bush and Ollie North and Ann Coulter, they drink Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, I think Ollie North was smoking Diet Coke, too. Huh? Yeah. 